Good morning, everyone. Please turn to number 82 and let's sing Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. to worship. Good morning. Good morning. The call to worship this morning is Psalm 66, verses 16 through 20. Come and hear, all ye that fear God, and I will declare what he hath done for my soul. I cried unto him with my mouth, and he was extolled with my tongue. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. But verily God hath heard me. He hath attended to the voice of my prayer. Blessed be God, which hath not turned away my prayer, nor his mercy from me. Amen. Amen. Yes. <laughs> Unanimous. Okay. Um, for our next song, we will sing number 400, Be Thou My Vision.
like that song because it's a prayer. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we have gathered here this morning to worship you. And we ask, please, that your spirit would just move among us and be in us and that our worship of you would be acceptable to you and that you would work in us what is pleasing to you while we are in your presence. And may it stay with us forever and just help us to continually become more and more like your son, our savior. Amen. And now um, take your bulletin inserts and some of you have them now. Uh, It's the uh, contemporary prayer of confession. You have asked for our hands that you might use them for your purpose. We gave them for a moment, then withdrew them, for the work was hard. You asked for our mouths to speak out against injustice. We gave you only a whisper that we might not be accused. You asked for our eyes to see the pain of poverty. We closed them, for we did not want to see. You asked for our lives that you might work through us. We gave you a small part that we might not get too involved. Lord, forgive all our calculated efforts to serve you, only when it is convenient to do so, only in those places where it is safe to do so, and only with those who make it easy for us to do so. Father, forgive us, renew us, send us out as usable instruments that we might take seriously the meaning of your cross. Amen. I particularly like the wording in that next to last paragraph. Uh, Too often we want to do what is convenient, safe, and easy, and God is calling us to so much more. Well, if we meant that prayer, as we prayed it, we have assurance from the Apostle John who was inspired to write, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thank God for that. And now we will continue to worship, singing 414, Have Thine Own Way, Lord. And then 297, Heaven Came Down and Glory Filled My Soul. Surely is 
Amen. And now we will have the reading of God's word for this morning. It's from St. Matthew 6, verses 7 through 21, and Psalm 20, verses 6 through 9. And this is Matthew. But when ye pray, use not vain repetition, as the heathens do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. But not ye therefore like unto them. For your Father knoweth what things ye have need of before you ask him. After this manner, therefore, pray ye, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Moreover, when ye fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces, that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou fastest, anoint thy head and wash thy face, that thou appear not unto men to fast, but unto thy father, which is in secret. And thy father, which seeth in secret, shall reward thee openly. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. This is Psalm 20, 6 through 9. Now know I that the Lord saveth his anointed. He will hear him from his holy heaven with the saving strength of his right hand. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. They are brought down and fallen, but we are risen and stand upright. Save, Lord, let the king hear us when we call. Amen. Amen. And now, <clears throat> excuse me, let us go to the Lord in prayer. Lord God, thank you for blizzards and other acts of God you send our way to remind us that we are not in control of anything. Forgive us for our desire to make plans and all the times we have made plans for our benefit without consulting you. I pray for your church, which is not able to be united in person today. Some of us are gathered in the usual place, seeking you and giving ourselves to you, trusting the Holy Spirit to move in us to your glory. But some of our brothers and sisters are plugged in virtually on their phones, tablets, or other devices. We know, humanly speaking, this is impossible. But I ask you to miraculously join us together in spirit, in Jesus, wherever we may be physically. And we pray for our nation, these things. That freedom of religious worship would not be taken away for any political expediencies. And that you would counter the confusion the enemy is sowing about identity, 
Because our identity is only found truly in you. And we pray for life here and around the world from conception until you decide that life is over. We also pray for the situation in Ukraine. We pray that your will may be done there. And we pray for the issue of immigration, especially in our country. It's complicated by oppressive and corrupt governments all around the world. So please give us your wisdom on this issue. We pray for the United States Supreme Court in all of the key cases that they will be deciding by June. Please let a majority of the judges discern your will. Also, please protect the integrity of the court from attempts to uh, pack it, to expand it to more people. And for our church body, we pray for many people. We pray for Francis, for all of her needs, from the most pressing need all the way down. We pray for Al and Carol, and especially their daughter, that um, she would get the treatment she needs in her back. And we pray you would help them to find a place they can afford in or near Clinton. We pray for Elon. We pray for Joe and his family, Kurt and Dory, Ali and her family, Ken, Peter, Linda, Billy, and their family. We pray for Christine and uh, the things that are weighing on her in a time of challenge in her life. We pray for her brother Stephen and his wife Annie and their family and their calling. We pray for Rob. We pray for Cindy and Jeff, Doris, Norma's family. Basically, we pray for everyone. You know our needs, as we heard Jesus say in Scripture. You know what we need before we even ask you. And we know that you love us. And may your word work in us. And please give me the proper words to explain, interpret, and apply your word to us this morning. And now we come to you in the words of the prayer that Jesus gave his disciples, which we have just heard read this morning. Praying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Before we dig deeper into God's word, take your bulletin inserts, and we're going to sing the song, How Great is Our God.
music team had that all right. I had the wrong title in the bulletin, and I thought, does that song have two titles? Okay. Well, people have always had a tendency to be materialistic. And this is not surprising. We are physical beings, So it's easier to relate to what we can see and what we can touch rather than that which can only be known with our minds, our souls, our spirits. Now, in the United States over the last half century, most people who observe our culture will say that we have now turned into one step beyond. We're a consumer society. We have an obsession with money and all that it can buy. And coupled with this, profit-hungry manufacturers produce goods with shorter durability, shorter shelf lives that wear out too soon and never really satisfy people in the first place. It seems that people are slow to learn that material goods will never fully satisfy the deepest longings of our soul. They can't. Well, in the middle portion of Jesus's inaugural address, that's another way of looking on the Sermon on the Mount. It's the inaugural address of the king of God's kingdom. And he discusses prayer, forgiveness, fasting, and treasures. He concludes that people have a choice as to where they store up their treasures. They may store them up on earth for current consumption, but at the risk of corruption and decay. Or they can store them up in heaven by dedicating them to God's kingdom now and forever in order to have a heart that is right with God. So we can summarize the passage we heard this morning in this way. Pray in order to store up treasure in heaven. Now, we can sum up our passage from the Psalms, which is a messianic psalm in this sense. It applies to all the descendants of King David. We can sum it up in this way. Because the covenant God, Yahweh, has saved his anointed, his people may call on him, the king of kings, to save them. So now let's dig into the details of God's word to us this morning. Now, in the Matthew passage, 
I said there were four things that Jesus talked about, but the first part and the most important is prayer. So we will look at prayer first, the first half. This has three parts to it. Part one, how not to pray. So we'll go through it word by word. As you are praying, you may not babble as the nations because they think in much speaking they will be heard. Now, this word could be translated babble, and also King James said vain repetitions. What is it? It is speaking of Jesus is talking about people who just foolishly say the same meaningless words over and over. These are in vain. They're just babbling, babbling on and on and on. And then he talks about many words pairing this with his prohibition that you don't babble. Also, don't talk too much with too many words when you're praying. Therefore, he says, you all may not be made like unto them, the people that do not know God. And he goes on to say, because your father has known of what things you all have need before you ask him of a single thing. This is the heart of Father God. Your father has known. Jesus assures them that their father God has full knowledge of their needs. Therefore, he says, you all must be praying in this way, like this. Now, it's been called the Lord's Prayer for a long, long, long time, but it's actually an outline of topics that Jesus wants his disciples to be praying. So now let's look at the prayer itself. This is the middle part, the second part. And we can summarize it succinctly, but there's a lot more to it. But the first starting point is to address, address our Father in his holiness and all that that entails, and then we present our needs to him. So the form of address, the first phrase is to our father, and literally it says, father of us, the one in the heavens, plural. So this is not a prayer really for individuals to pray, okay? But for God's family to pray together, together as his sons and daughters and also as Jesus's younger brothers and sisters. Now, this is plural heavens, and the Bible speaks of at least three heavens in Scripture. The first is just the atmosphere of the earth. The second is all the empty space and all of the created physical universe. And the third heaven is outside of the created universe. It's where God dwells, where he lives. It's an eternal space. He lives with angels and his people who have finished their lives on earth. And now let's look at the first three petitions, the first three commands to God. Number one. It must be made holy, the name of thee. Now, I think I misunderstood this all the way up until about five years ago. I said, why would anybody pray that? God is awesome and holy. Well, it's not about God, okay? Our prayers do not add to his awesome holiness. He is who he is. He has always been God, Okay, the command petition is actually that people, that we would be made to realize our obligation to fear him because of his holiness 
and to fear him in faith because the one who is awesome and holy and wonderful, he's deserving of our faith. And of course, we're told the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. What is wisdom? It is to act according to God's word, to live our lives. It's, not, it's one thing to memorize it, and that doesn't count for a whole lot. But if we allow God to apply what we have memorized, and we're able to live it, then that is pleasing to God, and that leads to blessing. So the first petition is we want ourselves to be opened up to see the awesome holiness of God. Secondly, it must come, the kingdom of thee. Thirdly, it must be done the will of thee, as in heaven upon earth. Now, when I pray this myself and take my time and breathe and open myself up. I think the best way to explain this, thy will be done as in heaven on earth, is John's vision. The last book of the Bible where God revealed to him what's going on in heaven now. Both of these, his kingdom and his will, have to do with what's happening in heaven. And I've given you a few things in the outline, and I'll say them now. The first thing he saw after he arrived at heaven was living creatures and elders falling down before God and worshiping him. And then a little later, he saw the people who had died for their testimony of Jesus as the king. And then all throughout the three different cycles of seven kinds of judgments on earth, starting now and going all the way up to the final judgment, we see that there are angels who are always doing his will. Everything John saw in all of those chapters was all of heaven in the eternal heaven beyond this universe doing God's will. And since we know from that last book of the Bible, it's always done in heaven, we're asking him, we're imploring him, we're commanding him, petition, please let it be done on earth, starting with me. After that, after we take care of the concerns of God and who God is, and we put him in first place, we can pray for the needs of his children. And, and the first one, and... and I'm going to give it to you literally. I, I like the way King James puts it, but literally it says, the bread of us sufficient for the day, thou must give it to us today. So this first phrase about sufficient bread, I'm coming to understand it means everything, anything, every daily necessity for the family of God, wherever they are located, in a town, in a city, wherever it may be, um, that sufficiency, they are making a command petition to Father God that he will supply whatever is necessary for his family of faith to do its daily duties with joy in their heart. We're not drudge slaves were servants joyfully serving the awesome father. And also I'm coming to understand when it says us, this requires communication among all the family members in a local church because some individuals, this is just the way God does it, will be supplied with more than what these individuals need and others with less. But in the act of sharing among one another by being closely knit to each other all the time, then all of the needs are met by Father God. So sometimes I will say, and teach us to share with each other as we need to. Secondly, thou must forgive the debts of us as also we, we have forgiven the debtors of us. Now a debt, this word, it's technically what is legally owed, but metaphorically, spiritually, in Scripture, it is an offense or a sin against God. 
And then we must forgive, okay? Thou must forgive the debts of us as also we, we have forgiven the debts of others. There's an emphatic we there. It is repeated. And this repetition indicates that in order to expect forgiveness from Father God, we must forgive others. And in the last part of this first half, Jesus will expand on this. And then the third and final petition is, may thou not lead us into temptation, but thou must deliver us from the evil. So that first phrase is technically not a petition, but a strong desire expressed. Please do not let us be tempted. Please, that's the desire of our hearts. But then the final command petition is specifically deliver us from the evil. And what is the evil? It is threefold. It starts with the evil in our own hearts. But then it expands out to the evil in the world system. And finally, the evil one himself. We need to be delivered from all of this. Now, I did some research on this in my Greek New Testament. The last declaration of praise, for thine is the kingdom forever, that is not in any text of Matthew's gospel until the 5th century. So over 400 years passed from when Jesus said this, to when it shows up in the first manuscript of of Matthew's gospel. So it's okay to pray it. And uh, I actually read a book on um, the gospel of Matthew and prayer. And, And it said that you could take that line out of David's dedication of the temple materials. And then he concludes the um, teaching on prayer with the centrality of forgiveness. In the last two verses, he goes positive and negative. He says, for if you all may be forgiving men their trespasses, that's the goal, that's the purpose, that's the result God wants, he will forgive you all, your heavenly father. Now, a trespass is a little different from a debt. It is a wrong action that is a deviation, a deviation from the truth of God. But positively here, Jesus promises forgiveness for transgressions to all who ask the Father and have themselves also forgiven the transgression of others. So here's our application, people. May we all act together on this truth that our forgiveness of others is a key to God's forgiveness and also our access to God in a right relationship with him. That's the positive. And now he concludes with the negative just as he began this whole portion on prayer with a negative. For if you all may not be forgiving men, neither will your father forgive you your trespasses, your transgressions. And I think this might be the greatest incentive to forgive others. We must forgive to be forgiven by our father. And then he follows up this section in prayer with two quick teachings on fasting and stewardship. And then it ties in with our psalm, which concludes with salvation. So first we get some commands on fasting. And I, I, I know myself, and I feel from most people I know, we don't think about fasting all that much these days or practice it. But Jesus says, when you all may be fasting, so if you choose to do a fast, you all may not be gloomy-faced as the hypocrites, because they are disfiguring their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting. 
In other words, he's saying, fast honestly. Let it be between you and God. True fasting involves a foregoing of food and water in order to focus on God without any distractions whatsoever. We should not be double-minded in this. We don't want to be distracted with the eating portion of our daily lives. Anyone fasting to be seen by men is motivated by the approval of men more than of God. And then he says, truly I'm saying to you all, they are receiving their reward. So these hypocritical fasters, some men will reward them and give them some esteem which they may be craving. But the rewards that men give, that people give, they pale in comparison with the reward that God can give. So now Jesus hones it right down, and he says, when thou art fasting, thou must anoint thy head, and thou must wash thy face. So Jesus goes from speaking to all of his followers together to speaking to each individual and each individual who may be moved to fast. And he says, true fasting also requires giving diligence to your other daily routines. He says, that thou may not appear to men to be fasting, but thy father seeing in secret shall give out to or reward thee. Okay, unlike hypocrites, followers of Jesus do not desire men's approval over God's approval. And I'm reminded of a very convicting passage that I've come to appreciate in John's gospel. The week before the crucifixion, John says that there were some of the Jewish leaders who had believed in Jesus, but they would not go public with their faith because they love praise from men more than praise from God. So um, he says, but if you do it with the right motives, God will give back to those who do put him first privately and in public, both now and in the future. And then we move to the end of the passage, the the, the part of this address, this inaugural address that we're considering today. We have some commands concerning treasure, followed by a promise for the heart. He says, you all must not be storing up to you treasures upon the earth, where moth and eating rust, what a great description of rust, are destroying, and where thieves are breaking through and are stealing. You see, any riches that we hoard on earth are fleeting. We cannot keep them. Jesus goes on, but you all must be storing up to you treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor eating rust are destroying, and where thieves are not breaking through, nor are they stealing. So all we dedicate to the kingdom of heaven, to the king of kings, it is not subject to corruption. And then he concludes, because where your treasure is, the treasure of you all, there will be your heart. Okay. By practicing good stewardship habits, our hearts will be made more like that of Christ Jesus. I'm going to mention that I had it in my notes and, and didn't put it in the final sermon. I read a book by James K.A. Smith, and I recommend any book he's written to you all. But this one, um, the title of it is, You Are What You Love. You Are 
who you love, what or who you love, and think about it. That's why, way back to Moses, Yahweh told them on the mount, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with everything that is in you. How do we get restored back to the image of God? By loving him all out, focusing on him, doing everything for him, he will change our heart to be like his. But if we put our heart on earthly things, material things, treasures that are to be corrupted, our heart will never grow in God or grow back into the image of God. So Jesus began with commands concerning prayer. And now he's entered with proper stewardship of treasures. And from this, we can conclude that all who follow Jesus in obedient faith should live by this truth. Be praying. Make it our prayer to store up our treasures in heaven. All for God. It's all for God. Now, let us uh, turn back to Psalm 20, um, which is about the kings in David's line. And we heard the end of it this morning. And it can be summed up this way, because Yahweh has saved his anointed. We may call on him, the king of kings, to save us. So he starts out, now I know Yahweh has saved his anointed. The psalmist knows by the Holy Spirit, that Yahweh has saved his anointed, Mashiach in Hebrew or Messiah in English. And then he continues, he will answer him from his holy heaven in mighty salvation of his right hand. So whatever this anointed king from the line of David asks for from Yahweh, he will be answered and answered with and in mighty salvation. Now, this is an allusion a thousand years before it happened to the resurrection of the true anointed or Christos in Greek after his death on the cross for the sins of people. Continuing, these in chariot, these in horses, but in the name of Yahweh, our God, we will remember. Now, non-Israelites, people who are not God's people and don't really know him, they look to creatures like horses or things they can make, weapons of warfare, chariots, that's what they think will deliver them. But God's people remember that all they need, including their salvation, is from their covenant God, Yahweh. They have collapsed and fallen, but we, we have risen and have been restored. So here's a negative and a positive. Those who trust in everything but God, but God, they've collapsed and they've fallen and they can't get up. But God's people, we have risen. We, we emphatically have been raised and restored to God through our remembrance and faith of him and who he is. So we can summarize this psalm by saying, those who are trusting in God are raised. And here he uses the prophetic perfect. Even if we don't feel raised yet, we are, because we will be, and God keeps his word. Finally, Yahweh must save the king. They petition strongly, and he will answer us in the day when we will call. So they petition Yahweh. Save the current anointed human king in David's line until the eternal anointed king Comes, And they make this petition based on their knowledge of Yahweh's salvation of his anointed, what we began with. And for this reason, they call out to him on the grounds of faith. And in the same way, if we desire the obedience of faith that gives salvation 
In Jesus, we may call out to him for salvation. And then, in order to be disciples, growing to be like our teacher, we may pray that we store our treasure in heaven so that our hearts will become more and more like Jesus. That's what ties together the gospel passage of the Sermon on the Mount in this messianic psalm given a thousand years earlier. Jesus teaches his followers how not to pray first. Then he gives an outline of what prayer should be. We should start by addressing our Father in his awesome holiness and considering all that he is. And then we move on and we may present our needs, especially for forgiveness. And then finally, Jesus gives guidelines for fasting and financial stewardship. Give it all back to God. Lay it up in heaven. Dedicate it. Your heart will be made right. And the psalmist anticipated the salvation of the ultimate Messiah as an encouragement to God's people to call on him for their salvation now and forever. And as we do this, may we always realize that it's really important that God be our number one treasure. So let us pray that we will store up our treasure in heaven, that we realize whatever he has given to us, we give it back to him somehow in some way, either by loving him or by loving people. And that's it. That's God's word for today. And um, let's sing this great song of faith, number 453. It is well with my soul.
Well, our benediction, our final word this morning is from the wisdom book of Proverbs. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your body and refreshment to your bones. And before we conclude our formal worship and go about on the rest of this Lord's Day, let's close um, singing of just where we are and with great gratitude. We're on holy ground right now. Let us sing number 83. Thank you.